Hi guys, this is Will, and I'm here with Donna. Hello. As always, we're coming to you with another episode um, of our podcast, um, Death Diner. Um, Donna and I have discussed um, what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to set a little scene for you um, for our discussion. We're we're talking about um, when you experience a loss and you have to make arrangements with a mortuary or funeral home, either over the phone or in person, what you should have organized before that conversation, before sitting down to do that paperwork, or before going into that office to meet with an arrangement counselor. I see this every day in my work, um, and it's always a much smoother experience for you as a family and for the arrangement counselor to have your ducks in a row in terms of what you need for that meeting and why you need it. So I thought it'd be a really great idea to walk you through a few items um, that I think are really important to bring with you that your arrangement counselor um, will ask you for. Um, If you have them, great. If you don't, I'll let you know if it's going to lead to any trouble down the line. So number one, I have as power of attorney for healthcare, or also known as a advanced healthcare directive. Um, This document establishes agency for the person who should be signing the mortuary paperwork. In those documents, especially in the state of California, they have language that gives post-death authority to the person authorized to make burial or cremation arrangements. So if you're looking to be the one signing the paperwork exclusively, bring that document as proof and that your mortuary representative will review it and you should be set to go. Um, The next one is a... I actually have a question. Yeah, go ahead. What happens if they have a power of attorney Um, but it doesn't state they can make decisions after the death. Is there anything like that? Yeah. So that would be, there are certain healthcare powers of attorney that don't have language for post-death. Generally speaking though, in my experience, Mm -hmm. those are documents that are gotten off of like legal zoom Mm -hmm. that are very generic Mm -hmm. boilerplate language, not state specific. Okay. Um, and you try to make them specific to your wants and needs, but you end up kind of screwing yourself over because it doesn't contain the language that you think okay. it does. Um, and therefore, it doesn't serve the purpose you necessarily want it to. So it might give you all the power in the world to dictate life-sustaining treatment, mm-hmm. breathing tubes, um, pain medication while the person is still alive, mm-hmm. um, but if it doesn't say anything or state Mm -hmm. probate codes that we would look for, Mm -hmm. um, it won't be valid after death. Okay. Again, that's probably a good idea that if if they can take it to you before the death to confirm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The next is a power of attorney for financial matters. Um, The reason I bring this up is especially for those who are non-relatives of the decedent who are um, making the arrangements and want to obtain death certificates. Mm -hmm. This is not a hard and fast rule. 
certain mortuaries will order death certificates to non-family members mm-hmm. without a power of attorney for financial. They may do it with a power of attorney for healthcare. Okay. Um, but it's good thing to ask and be aware of to see if your mortuary will require it. Because if you're a fiance mm-hmm. or a longtime friend that, and you believe you've been put in charge mm-hmm. of these arrangements, if you don't have healthcare agency to perform the cremation or direct mm-hmm. it, and you don't have power of attorney for financial, you won't receive death certificates and you can't settle the estate. Can't see it. So when the banks freeze the assets and you can't access the death certificate, it's really just stuck. Yep, you're so, stuck. You're stuck. Um, things that you really want to bring to the arrangement meeting or have ready to enter on the paperwork if it's done electronically is the social security number of the person who passed away and making sure that the name you've put on the forms matches the social security number. Um, In California, when we file a death certificate, there's a small button underneath the social security field Mm -hmm. that allows us to verify that the number that we've entered matches the name that we've entered. Oh. So if it's good and they match, it says passed. And we consider social security notified electronically. Okay. If it says failed, usually it's because there's a some sort of like name change. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a married versus maiden name. Maybe it's a space between the letters and like a MIC kind of name, uh-huh. MC, space, yeah. something like that. Um, but we just want to make sure that it's right yeah. because it's going on an official document. You're going to pay for these documents and we want them to be right. Exactly. All right. And they're used to settle assets and we want whatever asset they're trying to settle to match the person. Who's, who died? Who died? Yeah. Um, that's kind of neat that it will notify Social Security. Like, that's yeah. that's a nice little. Yeah. So I, I know save people, them a call. Yeah, because I know people who spend hours on the phone on, on hold. On hold. So yeah. this is a big help. Big help. Um, I can't verify that that's eligible in all states, but at least in California, definitely. Um, date of birth. You should know the date of birth of the person who passed away. Your mortuary representative will need it. Um, on a California death certificate, we also ask for the decedent's birthplace. So if they're born in the United States, we're going to ask for their state only. Okay. Um, if they're born outside the United States, we're going to ask for the name of the country only. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, then we get into probably the two most difficult questions. Um, and I mean difficult in the sense that people don't know the information off the top of their head. Um, we ask for the decedent's parents' names, including his or her mother's maiden name. So if you're... If your parents are married for 50 years, yeah, you better have that written down somewhere. You better have it written down somewhere. So I, I usually say that a kind of a cheat sheet is if you have your loved one's birth certificate, oh, it, would have, it, would have it. it would have their names as the parents and where they were born. What if you don't know one of them, like the father? If you don't know one of them, we would mark it unknown. Okay. And that's perfectly fine for a death certificate mm-hmm. in the sense that you can still close assets and use a death certificate for its purpose of settling financial matters. Okay. Um, it does kind of stink that it's incomplete, yeah. but in terms of its purpose, it still, it still works. Okay. Perfect. Um, we're also going to ask for the decedent's parents' birthplaces. Oh, that so, you better write down. Yeah. So where they were born. I don't know where my mom was born. Really? 
I know in Pennsylvania, but I don't know the city. That's okay. Oh, state okay. only. State only. Oh, okay. Same thing. State only, but if if not U.S. country. Okay. Okay. Right. Got it. And then this is probably the most difficult uh, one or a really good FAQ. Um, place of final disposition. On our forms, sometimes it reads place of final disposition. Sometimes it's an open-ended, how will the remains be disposed? Um, or what should the disposition permit read? These are all ways of asking the family, where is the final resting place for the remains? What if it's more than one place? Fine. We can do multiple permits. Okay. For different places. Like home, partly at home, partly in Hawaii. That was their favorite place. Yeah. And they wanted to be at their favorite camping place or whatever. So you can do it in threes? You can do it like that. I would say um, if I'm going to get really into the nitty gritty with the example mm -hmm. you gave, the camping site, mm -hmm. um, if it's like a public campground, you'd have to get the the permission of that uh, campground or okay. if it's public land, like the park service, right. whatever controlling body authorizes anything to go on that land. Um, more, more common things are um, we have a veteran, mm -hmm. but you also have a grieving widow that wants to keep some of her husband's remains at home with mm -hmm. her in orange. So she says, Oh, I want to put half at Riverside national mm -hmm. and I want to put um, half at a residence, keep him at home. Do we okay. split the permits or half at C, half at residence? Okay. It's more common that way. Um, well, I have one more question. What happens? Sure. Let's say my mom decides to do that, have half my dad's remains and then half um, buried in, in his home country. Okay. My mom dies. I have the remains. Do I need a new permit? Because now I'm the daughter, but my mom isn't alive and the permit is to leave him at her house. But now I want to take him to my house. Do I have any you any concerns? So there? no. If okay. you if you yeah no 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 no. Okay. The the health department is not going to bang on your door and demand that you update the permit to read your residence okay. from the prior residence. I've gotten the reason I ask that is I've had questions. Yeah. I've had people ask me that, and I tell them go back to the mortuary you used and ask. Yeah, I, I think because I, I didn't know. I, I think it's senseless mm -hmm. to change. Yeah. Um. It is a valuable document, mm -hmm. but when the remains are being kept at home, mm -hmm. nobody asks for it. Okay. All right. Nobody yeah. asks for it. Only if you're going to a cemetery, the cemetery rep is going to ask for a permit to make sure that it reads the cemetery's name and address. Oh, that's good to know. If you're paying someone to take you out on a boat to mm -hmm. scatter the remains. They're going to want to see that They're going to want to see the permit because they're liable for making sure that the remains going in the water are permitted to go in the water. So that's, that's really how that goes. Okay. Um, those are really the basics in terms of making sure you're well-equipped to have that conversation with your mortuary representative. Um, it'll get you through the arrangement meeting, get you through all of the necessary paperwork, and it'll allow them to complete a death certificate for your loved one in a timely manner. How long does it usually take to get a death certificate? It depends on the county. Okay. Um, here in Orange County, mm -hmm. California, 
from the date of death, mm -hmm. how we order them, mm -hmm. we do them through the mail. Generally oh. takes about three to three and a half weeks. Okay. All right. Um, we find that that's an easy way for us to conduct business. Some mortuaries will pick them up for you and have them ready for you at the time they release the remains to you. Oh. Um, which is nice. Um, not that many mortuaries do that. Um, but That sounds pretty time-consuming. It is time-consuming, and it's logistically hard, especially for someone with the size that we are. Yeah. So we just do them through the mail. Um, generally, what I say, though, is when it comes to death certificates, I give families the option. Because no mortuary mm -hmm. should charge a premium for any death certificates illegal in the state of California. Okay. So death certificates are $21 per certified. Oh. Okay. All right. So if you have a mortuary charging you $25 for death certificates, that's illegal. Yeah. All right. They're making a profit. They're making a profit and they're not allowed to do that. But what it also means is if you wanted to purchase them yourself, mm -hmm. you'd be purchasing them for the same price that we would charge you. Oh. So we have the option of, and you can ask your local mortuary about this too, if you need death certificates really quickly and they're trying to charge you some mm -hmm. expediting charge, ask if you can purchase them yourself. Because here in California, you can. Mm -hmm. um, especially in Orange County, it's relatively easy to do so. Mm -hmm. You'd go to your local health department mm -hmm. in, Cal in Orange County where the death occurred and purchase them in person for the same price, $21 a piece, and walk out with them. Oh. And you would have them as soon as the death certificate is registered, which normally happens within about eight days eight of days. the passing. Okay. So you could have death certificates in your hand mm -hmm. in eight or nine days rather than having them mailed to you in 20 to 21 days. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you suggest a certain number, like eight yeah. or 10? I know when my grandmother died, um, I think they ordered at least 10 because they knew they had to notify all these different people. Mm -hmm. so, and they did. And since she died in Georgia and lived in Pennsylvania, they didn't want to have to keep going back and forth. So sure. they just ordered a bunch, bunch yeah. and had it mailed to them. Yeah. So I would say that among our families, the average number ordered is five. Okay. But that is to say that some families need 20 and some families need zero. It totally depends on the deceased person's assets. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot, you're probably going to need a lot. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that much, you probably won't need that many. Okay. That's the general rule of thumb. Um, I would say just a quick list of institutions that generally require originals would be life insurance companies, pension companies, IRA companies, um, anything that holds um, certificates of deposit or brokerage accounts, uh, other stocks, bonds, um, deed or title to a home or a vehicle. And if that's changing, um, you'd need a death certificate. So kind of my baseline is to say that if it's an asset that's going to pay out a benefit or change ownership, mm -hmm. deed or title, you'll need a death certificate. You'll need a death certificate. It's good to know. Yeah. So that really covers everything that I think is vitally important for the arrangement meeting itself. Um, what I kind of wanted to, to delve into after that was maybe some things that 
are outside the scope of the mortuary mm-hmm. that would still be useful pieces of information for families to have in terms of uh, other next steps uh, to do when someone passes mm-hmm. away. Um, so some things that I was looking at was with social media and what happens to social media when you pass away. And what I found out was that you can actually designate someone on Facebook to either take over or basically authorize Facebook to, to close it for you. Uh, Twitter does the same thing. So you can designate someone and Twitter will go through a process of verifying that you are who you say you are and that you are a legal mm-hmm. next of kin and they verify your next of kin. Um, but ultimately upon that approval, they'll close the account uh, for you. Okay. Um, which I thought was really interesting and um, definitely a problem we haven't seen in the past, mm-hmm. but are going to see just more and more, um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I didn't look at Instagram or Pinterest or well, Instagram's else. I think a part of Facebook, so it might uh, oh, it might connect. Yeah, it, it might, might connect, connect, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's automatic. Right. Um, but that would be nice. Now I also heard recently that you can do a memorial page on Facebook where your page can be turned into a memorial page. I don't know that process, but I think yeah, there's a possibility. I, I think I th- they didn't really discuss that in okay. what I read. Um, my, I'd have to look it up. If I had to guess, it would basically be they give you the option to yeah. either cut it off or offer it as a memorial page for X amount of time. I don't know. That would make the most sense to me, but I'm not on Facebook. I don't know. Oh, you're not? I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I kind of d- dive through some different lists Um one from AARP and some other uh, mortuary survivor checklists to kind of read through what the general consensus is about what families need to do when someone passes away. So I'm going to give you the top 10 on the list that I have in front of me um, from a local mortuary, undisclosed. Contact the funeral home to take your loved one into their care. That should go without saying, but definitely. Two, contact your minister. Mm-hmm. Alert family members and close friends. Um, if employed, contact deceased employer. I think that's a really good one. That's a good one. Um, if a, we, we'll say how we'll say how we feel about them after any of them. Okay. If applicable, notify agent under power of attorney. Um, definitely if they're not already notified, definitely notify the power of attorney. Most definitely. I think that's a really good one. Alert the executive of your loved one's will. Um, also a good one. Also a good note is to let the executor know that they may not be the power of attorney. (laughs) Um, that's a little inside joke for you guys listening. We have a lot of people in our field who believe they are the chosen one to make all the decisions and they may not know or be familiar with the law that does not give them that right. And that there are people in the family or with other agencies that have higher authority over the deceased person than they do. 
All right, next I have notify religious, fraternal, and civic organizations that your loved one was a member of. I'd say that's a good one. Um, I'd say that just as a note, you should be able, you, you should not have to call all of those agencies or institutions. A lot of them have Facebook pages that are run by, or have social media managers, and you can let them know through um, direct message and save yourself some time if you Facebook message all of those groups rather than trying to find emails or phone numbers and so forth, just as like a little shortcut. Um, notify your attorney regarding probate of the estate. That's a really big one. You want to contact, if, if you have an estate attorney, contact him or her as soon as possible. And they are probably going to be a good resource in telling you how many death certificates you should order with the mortuary because um, they should be able to inventory all the assets pretty cleanly. Um, arrange for care of any dependents. Um, I'm really not sure what they mean by that. I tried to kind of decipher it in terms of like if they had minor children, make sure that they're with relatives or financially make sure that whatever needs to happen in terms of getting them an influx of money and getting things out of probate mm -hmm. as quickly as possible gets done and underway as quickly as possible. I think that could be a couple of different mm -hmm. things. Um, if the deceased had any pets arranged for their immediate care, that's really important. Um, remove any valuables from the deceased home, secure the residence and take steps to uh, make the home appear to be occupied. Um, so I think it's important if you live in a communal living space, like an apartment building, um, to notify the authorities if you if you don't have anyone that lives nearby. Mm -hmm. they, they should be able to secure the premises um, and notify the powers that be in the complex to make sure that it's secure. Because the last thing you want is if it takes you a while to get out to visit your loved one's home to settle whatever's in there you don't want it like already ransacked so i i encourage people to be aware of that um when you do go through the home make sure any perishables um in terms of food refrigerated items are disposed of you want that taken care of you can end up really badly and make for a harder cleaning process for you um, alert the post office to mail forward to a relative that's responsible. Um, organize um, documents that are going to help you settle matters in the near future or next month or so. So if there's any, if you can find documents like a birth certificate, social security card, a will, marriage license, uh, discharge papers from the military, um, deed to any burial property or contracts for any burial arrangements, um, copies of any funeral prearrangements, um, life insurance policies, um, kind of so on and so forth. Um, things that you can wait a little bit to do, um, but still need to be done. Um, I would say within about 30 days of the passing, 
um, you should consult and get keep in contact with that lawyer about how probate is going. Um, uh, you should make an appointment with an accountant mm -hmm. to make sure that you're settling all the finances mm -hmm. correctly. Um, and having professional expertise is really helpful there. Um, file the insurance claims with the insurance companies. They, they generally take a few weeks to pay out. So getting on that sooner rather than later is important. Most likely, if you call them prior to having a death certificate, you won't be able to do much. They will most likely tell you that you need a death certificate to complete the uh, benefit process. Um, but you may get lucky. Some uh, life insurance companies take copies of a death certificate or a working copy. So you may be able to get started on that earlier. Um, contact the Social Security Administration or other government offices that may have been making payment to your loved one um, and let them know about the passing. Here in the state of California, we do automatically notify Social Security of the passing when we file the death certificate assuming you've given us the social security number. Otherwise, besides us notifying social security of the passing, we do not help you with benefits. And furthermore, social security will not reach out to you to help you with benefits. So if you are a surviving spouse or a dependent child, um, you should seek seek help in terms of setting an appointment with Social Security to see what benefits you're you're eligible for. Um, notify your local voter registrar that the loved one your loved one has passed away. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I'll add it for dramatic effect. I read in doing this research from a Pew poll in 2016 that here in the U.S. we have about 200 million registered voters who are deceased. So let your local registrar know that your loved one has passed away. Um, cancel their prescriptions. Notify their medical staff or whoever was taking care of the primary care physician and maybe any specialist that they passed away. Um, and it may help avoid any complications with future appointments, maybe billing errors, so on and so forth. Um, if your loved one is a veteran, be sure to inquire through your local VA if they're entitled to any benefits. I will say that generally the benefits are limited in terms of who's eligible for them, but uh, still, please reach out and see if you're eligible. Um, contact the deceased employer, which we talked about. That's actually a common theme. That's a good one. Um, they may have any insight into how to close a retirement account, like a pension or 401k that they may have had with the company. So it's worth it. Um, notify all credit agencies as well, TransUnion, Equifax, so on. Um, this says obtain a current copy of the deceased's credit report. I will give that to you as the listener, but in... I'm trying to rack my brain as to what purpose that would serve. Um, and it hasn't come to me yet. So I actually don't know what to offer you on that. As I, I, I would I would never recommend that to a family I never have. Um, so I, 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 that's never been on my list.
Here's a good point. If the death was accidental, verify whether benefits are available on existing insurance policies. So, um, so some insurance policies will not pay a benefit when they see certain causes of death on the death certificate. In my experience, that is mostly um, self-inflicted um, causes of death that may exclude um, benefits to be paid out. So be sure you know what the stipulations of your insurance policy says. Um, that's actually a really, that's actually a pretty good list. Um, this has uh, fill out any claims for health insurance or Medicare. Um, I would generally, when Social Security is notified, Medicare and Medicaid, who are also state agencies, are notified. Um, but I, I do encourage a call to them just, just to close things out kind of a little bit more cleanly. Um, that really covers this list. Did you, did, did any of those surprise you? No, um, they didn't surprise me. But I did want to state on the one for the cause of death. Yeah. I know it doesn't get utilized very often, but California has the, the End of Life Option Act. Yeah. And on that one, they state the illness, not yes. that it was self-inflicted. So just if anyone has a question about that, um, that does not – utilizing that law does not exclude you from your your life insurance. Can I – I want to expand on that because okay. make sure people know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. So the End of Life Option Act – um, here in California, um, a terminally ill patient under certain criteria can have um, a medicated demise, mm -hmm. I would say. So yeah. self-inflicted, but also with the consent of their medical professionals yes. um, to end their life um, prior to nature taking its course. Yeah. Um, and that's legal in the state of California. And what Donna is yeah. saying that if you're, if that's the situation you or your loved one is in, there's no, I don't believe that there is a life insurance policy that could exclude you no. for, or exclude that benefit being paid out because of the nature of the passing. That's the question I've gotten most of the time. If I talk to families about utilizing that law. Yeah. That's, that's the, one of the main questions. That's a ask. really great point. That's a really great point. Um, I also had a comment on, um, I'm glad you mentioned pets that to take care of dependent children or whatever it is that to make sure the pets are taken care of, yeah. that they are rehomed or taken care of, or at least fed and watered until you figure out what you're going to do. Cause I don't think many people remember the pet. Yeah. It can be an afterthought. So that's a good thing to mention. And the other thing was um, when you notify the authorities, they can do a, um, a safety check yeah. on your home yeah. and it's free. It's free. Exactly. I think those were the only things because it was a very well thought out list. Yeah, that was a really, really well thought out list. And they have a lot of good points um, and a good cadence about how to attack them um, and when to attack them. And what I really want to point out is in terms of the timeframes for these types of lists and like mm -hmm. taking care of immediate, mm -hmm. intermediate and long term mm -hmm. needs and what needs to be done. It's approach it like that because 
you you won't be able to do everything all at once and to space it out and prioritize based on what you can do immediately is really helpful to your own mental state. Absolutely. Because remember, through all of this, you're grieving. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to take longer. Part of the grieving process is that we sometimes forget tasks. We can't stay on tasks. We lose concentration. So having these lists ahead of time can help us with that part of the grief response. And with the part about contacting the minister, that's for extra support for the family. But if you're going to have the minister do the service, please make sure the minister's available that day. Yes. Great point. Schedule. I've had a few experiences where they didn't check first. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. That's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. So please definitely reach out. And I know that can be hard to remember. But again, having these checklists available will help. Yeah. And enlist help. You can have help, too. Mm-hmm. Someone who's not going through the same process you are may have a clearer head, may yeah. think of things you don't. Um, but that was a pretty exhaustive list. We wanted to share that with you so that you guys are armed with the knowledge of um, how to go into your arrangement meeting confidently and how to arrange for settling assets, yeah. financial and otherwise, um, after the immediate need of taking care of the burial has been solved. So we hope you feel armed with that knowledge. Feel free to listen to this whenever you need to recap and we'll always be here for you. Absolutely.